people subscribe just for the comedy. Sure. Just for the content. All right. You have to stop that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we ready? Yes. Cool. Everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to the Green Light. The Green Light Podcast. Well, I realized we we didn't decide who was going to go first. Yeah, and I was waiting on you and I was like, should we it. do it? Alrighty. Hey everyone, hopefully this isn't too much of a train wreck if you're a new listener. I'm Jackson. I'm Lauren. And we're the Green Light Podcast. do 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 What so, do we do here, Lauren? <laughs> well, we read unproduced plays and screenplays and interview the awesome people who wrote them. That we do. That we Correct. do. And I like to think we do it well. I agree. Yes. I hope so. This week we are reading a, pl- not a play, a screenplay, a short screenplay Correct. called What's in the Box by Benjamin Poselt. Yeah. So if you looked at our spoilers without context posts, you know why Brad Pitt is so upset because in the oh, movie the seven, title. he is saying what's in the box. What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> what's in the box? And if you uh, know what's in the box in the movie seven, it's not good. What's in the box correct. in this delightful film by Benjamin Poselt? Stay tuned to find out. That's right. Commercial break. That was me tapping for a commercial break. We don't have commercial breaks here. Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. So, um, Jackson, you said something earlier about um, hopefully we do it well. So I was going to say, if you think we do it well, you should give us a five-star review on iTunes. Good transition. Sorry, I ruined your transition there. It's fine. Um, But But yeah, if you have not already, um, unless you make fake accounts, which we definitely don't encourage, uh, you can only do one. But... (laughs) If you have not done it yet, please give us a five-star review. You can write whatever you want. That helps us more than just doing the five stars. And it helps move us up the charts, helps more people see the show, listen to the show. That's see correct. It on their phones. And despite Lauren's cryptic message, we don't encourage making fake accounts. However, I will say we are 154th in the Austrian TV and films Apple That's podcast right. charts. So That's right. This is going to be our last podcast, up in the world. so we can end on top. Yep. <laughs> we're going to end on top at number 154. Just kidding. Just we're not going to do that because right. we're committed to our craft. Correct. So, uh, yeah, if you want to leave those reviews, you can leave a detour of the week. You can roast either of us, and we will read it on the show. Yes. Also, subscribe to our Patreon, please. Yes, please. Uh, that gives you lots of extra bonus content. You can subscribe for as low as a dollar a month, and you will get... Most of it. But if you yep. subscribe at the $5 level or above, you will get our green lit episodes. Yes. Where we watch nostalgic things from our childhood. Uh, mm-hmm. We just did Emperor's New Groove. We just And pair did. it with it an alcoholic dropped. beverage. Yes. And the alcoholic beverages that we choose, I think, are pretty solid. This last one was very good. So our if you want to find out what that was. Our, our first, first one, one was bad. It tasted okay, but it was like objectively weird the things you mix together were kind of gross but yeah. this one was really good yes it was yzma's hot pink potion is what we did this time yzma's hot pink potion of madness i of did look at madness. it again when i posted oh, it did, yeah, yeah how dare you i've been led down the wrong path this entire time thank you lauren anyway so I yeah um we we don't technically have any new shepherd. reviews this week um correct my mom did repost an old review that but it wasn't a roast or anything it was just saying mm. that she liked the show and liked the music on the show thanks mom it's it's from YouTube mostly. Yes, YouTube, YouTube music. music However, sometimes we do have music from our guests, like yes, we did last week. As a matter of right. fact, for MVP. And uh, thank also, you, Tomas. When I don't know episode nine or ten, uh, when Ankit was on. Yes, we, we used also his did music Ankit, as well. If you're still listening, Ankit, thank yeah, you. We appreciate you. But 
<sighs> Alrighty. Anyway, yeah. Housekeeping. Let's sweep that under the rug like we do with housekeeping. <laughs> and we're going to go into our segment of the week called Detours. For Detours, we talk about something that we've consumed in the past week. Whether it be a, a TV show, a film. These sound effects are lovely. A book, a play, a 10-year-old video game. We've only done that once. Probably won't do it again. But... This week, we get a little academic here on the green light, because we got a play, we got a book, and then we get totally unacademic, because we're going to be talking about the Twilight movies. But, to start, do you want to go first? I can go first, yeah. (laughs) We do enough spoilers with no context. We'll give the people a little bone. We'll throw a bone. (laughs) So, this week, I read a play called Ruined by Lynn Nottage. Um, Bailey, who you've heard on the show before. Thank you, Bailey. Gets the Dramatist Play Service. It's like a seasonal, you know, once every couple months, she gets a box of mystery plays. Mm -hmm. And she had already read this one, so I read it. And it was very, very good. If you are not familiar with Lynn Nottage, um, some of her more... Famous works include Sweat and Intimate Apparel. Mm-hmm. If you've um, ever been in an acting class, you've probably seen a scene from Intimate Apparel. or And, and Sweat, probably. Yeah, truthfully. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but you know, she's she's incredible. She's well known for a reason. And um, this particular play is set in the Democratic Republic of the Congo during a civil war. And uh, there's a woman named Mama, I think it's pronounced Nadi. It's N-A-D-I. And she runs a bar that also has prostitutes at it. And that's not like a secret, you know, that's like a a thing, you know, people will come in, whether they're minors or soldiers or whatever, and enjoy, you know, a couple beers and the company. Um, So, yeah, um, she, there are quite a few characters in it. Um, There are a lot of women in the script, so um, a lot of them are... Mama Nadi's girls. Um, there are a couple that are new that come in, Salima and Sophie. Um, but, you know, it, it sort of talks about what that environment looked like, how, like, it could be dangerous for a, a woman in those times during a civil war. And it's it's very well written. Um, I think there are some really great, you know, intimate moments between the women. And there are, there are just a lot of, like, human things in the script. So mm-hmm. I was a big fan. Yeah, and it sounds like it is a, a very female-led cast as well. Definitely, yeah. Um, the, the premise of it in general reminded me of, I told Jackson this, but um, a few me. years ago we went to go see the original cast of Hamilton because we got our tickets <laughs> super early. We did. <laughs> and um, we also got student rush tickets to see Eclipse. Or Eclipsed? Eclipsed. Eclipsed. Okay, it had a there D, is starring a D, yes. Lupita Nyong'o, mm-hmm. who was incredible. Yes. And um, that that play is about five women, I believe, who are married to the same... I want to say he's Lebanese. I, I want to say he's Lebanese. It's sure, like, I, I honestly um, can't remember. Yeah, but um, basically, he's they're married to a... I believe he is a warlord. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, we, we never see him. We just see these five women who were kind of stuck in a house together, mm-hmm. um, just living their lives. And yeah, so Ruined was very good. Um, it's a pretty quick read, as most plays are. Highly recommend. Yeah. Very good. Alrighty. Lauren just threw it over to me, so I'm going to catch it, and I'm going to run with it. So, continuing to get academic here, I read a book this week, and the book is Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. You probably know Trevor Trevor Noah as the host of The Daily Show with Trevor Noah on Comedy Central. He took over from the previous 
uh, previous host of that show, John Stewart, and he's done great things with it. I, I really like Trevor Noah. I like his humor. Um, I've, li- I've watched a few of his stand-up specials. He's a really funny guy, and he definitely brings a lot of that humor into this book. So basically what this book sort of details is he- Trevor Noah is uh, native to South Africa, and he grew up during apartheid. And so it sort of talks about his life growing up in that era, growing up as someone of mixed race. His father was white and his mother was black. Uh, and under the apartheid system, Trevor Noah was classified as colored. And what that meant was that it was essentially a crime for him to be born, hence the title of the book, Born a Crime. So yeah, it really goes from Trevor Noah's very young childhood up into his early adult life. It doesn't really get into touch too much on his comedy career or anything. It really sticks mostly to his time in South Africa. And a lot of the things that you like about Trevor Noah, like I said, his humor, are definitely injected into this book. But it also is a really good look into just another culture and the way that just life worked in South Africa during apartheid. And it also as he grows older and, um, you know, apartheid sort of ends, sort of sort of the post-apartheid area, which is, you know, not necessarily meant to say a post-racial area, era, because just like the United States, not true. But it, it is sort of interesting to see, to see the look, and also just to see how, how racism functions in that society, mm-hmm. which it al- almost functions in, in a way different. I, there was one... Oh, sorry, I accidentally hit Lauren's mic and it made a noise. Um, but there, there was a, an interesting thing in the book where uh, Trevor Noah actually grew up speaking a lot of different languages. There are, and that is actually one of the things that sort of helped him succeed in different areas of his life. Because part of apartheid was um, the white ruling class sort of um, dividing people based on race and or based really on off language barriers hmm. because different african tribes spoke different languages and at that time you know uh the white ruling class wanted as much dissent among um black people as possible so they right. could stay in power so one of the things was you know keeping the the different languages but because trevor noah was able to speak so many languages he was able to fit in so much and uh just just the way that that language played out in in that culture is, is so different just because there are so many you know right. in the united states uh, English is the main language. Yeah, I mean, and... there are definitely still, you know, some native tribes that have their own languages. Unfortunately, a lot of them have died out, but sure. that's definitely more present in South America, or South America, South Africa than it is here. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So that was a really cool part of the book. Um, really, this book revolves also around Trevor's relationship with his mother and uh, sort of the, the type of woman she was. An incredible woman. Um, she, very, very interesting. Loves her some some church every Sunday. Loves her some Jesus. Uh, but a very strong woman, too, which is, which is sort of interesting in, in this time in South Africa during apartheid, which, you know, it wasn't always uh, um, looked kindly upon for a woman to, to be so strong. But she was, and that was kind of a, a really cool thing about it. Um, speaking of Lupita Nyong'o, I just found this out, actually, in doing a little bit of research about it, but apparently it's going to be adapted into a film, uh, Trevor Noah's book, starring Lupita Nyong'o as Yay, his mother. she's so, so good. Yeah, she's great, so I'm sure she's going to do great in this. Uh, Border Crime, Trevor Noah, uh, I read it through the library, actually, so get a library card. Yes, you can get an e-library card, as Lauren and I have talked about, Yeah, and that's how I read it. So yeah, a great book, five out of five for me, love, tre- love me some Trevor Noah, boom. Cool. Now, for something that is not quite five out of five. Um, <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> so, in the past week, we watched the entire Twilight Saga. 
Yes, we did. So Twilight, New Moon, Eclipse, Breaking Dawn Part 1 and 2. And Twilight. That's why I, I said Twilight first. Oh, sorry. I thought you were saying Twilight colon New Moon. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the original Twilight, then New Moon. Yes, yes. I get what you're saying yeah. now. <laughs> um, so these movies, so for a little bit of background information, um, my mom might get mad at me for saying this. I don't know. Um, so in in middle school, when these books and movies were very, very popular and, you know, the, the movies were just coming out, I did not read them. Or watch them. Mm. I went out of my way to not read them or watch them because my mom and my two sisters were very much into Twilight, especially my mom. Mm. Um, so, you know, so I mean, oftentimes the movies would play in the house and I would sure. abstain. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did eventually read the first book like the summer after my freshman year of college, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I was not a fan. Mm. But I mean, Sad. but I think honestly at that point, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe I would have liked them if I read them in middle school, but sure. I don't know. I um actually, but yeah, but but these, sorry, but the movies <laughs> are like we like to watch bad movies in the house, so they we do. they that's a pastime. Of they ours. were very fun, bad. Mm -hmm. Like they're definitely worthwhile to watch. They were really fun. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, going off of you know watching it when we were younger, actually, one of the only midnight premieres that i've ever gone to was to a twilight movie which one i can't i have no idea i went <laughs> i went because i was invited by a girl that i liked point blank oh, period that's why i went i've never heard about this this is a new story okay. coming out live on this episode of wow. the Greenlight podcast when was this how old were you <laughs> i was in like early high school maybe middle school when did they come out even like I think like late middle school because the books yeah. were still coming out. So in I was school. I was in late middle school going to see Twilight because uh, there were actually a couple girls or one girl that I liked and then a friend and then maybe another guy. I don't know. I can't even remember. Wow. The group. I think you went it to was... Twilight with a couple girls. I th okay. <laughs> you know, middle school Jackson was a player. Um, I think it was uh, Breaking Dawn Part One. I want to say. Okay. That's kind of a weird place to start. Well, yeah. I had no idea what was going on. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's also interesting because of the, the graphicness of some of the, the love scenes in that one. Ah, uh, yes. To be seeing as, yeah. a, as a young middle schooler. But... The only midnight premiere I've been to was uh, Deathly Hallows Part 2. There you go. There you go. I, I went to Twilight and then I went to Fault in Our Stars. For wow. the same reason I went to Twilight. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go, Very folks. Nice. That's me. But yeah, I agree with Lauren. They're, they're a fun, like... Just, woo. Well, it's like, you know, there are some whatever. things that, like, don't quite make sense. Like, I don't know. I mean, I was I was on the phone with my mom yesterday, and I was like, if they had all this medical equipment in the house, you know, and they had blood, why couldn't she have just gotten a blood transfusion instead of drinking it out of a styrofoam cup? Is that a spoiler? Um, <laughs> you know by now. Like, this movie is old. Yeah. I guess that's fair. It, it, it is old enough that, that if you haven't yeah. seen it by now, you probably won't watch it. Unless they watch it based off our recommendation. I, we don't need to give a summary of Twilight or anything. Werewolves, vampires, Bella wants to become a vampire. Yeah. Period. Uh, um, Robert Pattinson is Edward. Yes. Taylor Lautner is Jacob. Kristen Stewart is Bella. Yes. Yes. Uh, who was your favorite character throughout these? My favorite character? Yeah, let's talk that. Mm. I'm a big fan of Alice. I was going to say, Alice... I, I really like at Alice. At the end, Alice totally, totally, like, 
killed it. And we, we'll talk about the final scene. I like Carlisle a little, too. He was very chill throughout, throughout the face. whole time. Carlisle? Yeah, he has a weird kind of derpy face. <laughs> I Sorry, guess. Carlisle, or whoever played him. Carlisle, come on the podcast to discuss. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but like, Alice just seemed very, like, charming, whereas a lot of the other yeah. vampires were very morose. And, yeah. you know, they were the sullen Cullens all the time. The sullen time. Cullens. That's I true. I just came up with that. Um, yeah, that was good. That was uh, good. But, but, you know, Alice just always seemed really sweet and, like, was always looking out for everybody. Yeah. And... And she she made the biggest alpha move in the entire series. Oh, I yeah. would argue oh, at yeah. the at the very sure. ending. Uh, well, not we're not we're not. Uh, should we talk about that? Because it's a huge spoiler. Again, most people who probably really care about spoilers have already seen these movies. Okay, that's true. If you don't want the <laughs> the ending of the last movie spoiled, uh, just fast forward a little bit. So, okay. So I heard from my mom and my aunt after they saw uh, Breaking Dawn Part Two that they were mad yes, because. The um, basically there's a thing where like, there's a big confrontation at the end and Alice in the book is able to stop that confrontation from happening by telling them about a vision she had of, you know, all the vampires who would die, everyone who would die, um, and what that would look like if they do go forward with the fight. Yeah. So she's able to stop it. But the thing is in the movie, we see Alice, uh, tell, is it Aro? It's Aro. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Martin Sheen, for um, yes. those wondering. Um, so she tells him about the vision, and we don't see what the Michael vision Sheen. is. Michael Sheen. Yeah, two. Michael. My, I think it's Michael Sheen. Okay, cool. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, you said that, and I was like, what? <laughs> no, but um, so she tells him the vision, and then she's like, it doesn't matter what, you know, it doesn't matter what I tell you, like, whatever. And they have a giant fight, and all kinds of people die who don't die yes. in the book. It, and everyone was like, what is going on? At the beginning of yeah, the battle. Like, and that, really like, early on. that like sent me. I was like, oh my goodness, No, this and there are so many deaths that just happened like really quick of really yeah. prominent characters. And then it turns out that whole thing was the vision. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, So and it, like, it a... technically doesn't go against like what happened in the book, mm-hmm. but it made a lot of people think that they were changing a lot of stuff. Sure. <laughs> well, that that's why I liked the ending so much and was one of the reasons why the, the last one was probably my favorite book. Because they gave us that big finale fight scene that like fans of the movies wanted and just like the general movie going audience would want at the end. Yeah. Like, well, I don't want just a debate just like, in a final movie. Yeah, if you it know? had just been... Yeah, I feel like for a book, it can end that way and be okay. But for a movie, it would have been really anticlimactic to get all these people together in a snowy field and then have them just kind of like part ways amicably, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think... Yeah, it 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 was it was very good. Biggest alpha move. Alpha uh, Alice is the alpha of everyone. That's correct. Um, would you be a wolf or a vampire? You think in in world? I think I'd probably be a vampire. You think so? Yeah, I know you've said you'd be a wolf. I I would certainly be a wolf. But I well, like I mean, I think part of it is that like we see one woman who is a wolf. Yeah, that's the fair. whole series. They're a bit exclusionary towards women. Yeah, but you know, I mean, my mom used to make jokes about how I was a vampire because I'm the only one in our family with good eyesight. Sure. So, well, would we <laughs> and find they canonically love have good Lauren eyesight in this in this world that would not allow that? I hope so. <laughs> Lauren touched my elbow as as <laughs> a sign of good grace. Okay, final thing. Okay. <laughs> okay, and I know my cop out has been Team Mike, and I still stand by that Team Mike. If you don't know, Mike is her high school friend kind of who likes her yes who is the least problematic of edward and jacob i will yes. say out of edward and jacob gaslight her to no end yes exactly and that that is an issue that both of them have therefore i don't want to be on either of their sides but since it's the biggest debate we have to ask it team edward team jacob 
It's tough because, you know, like, they say a lot after Bella's turned into a vampire finally in the last movie, like, oh, being a vampire suits you. And it's very clear yeah. that this was kind of, like, what she was meant to be. Mm-hmm. So, but it's also, like, I don't like Edward as a person. Sure. You know. Do you like Jacob as a person? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't really like either of them. The, the, so, I mean, I would have to say Team Jacob just because, or not Team Jacob, sorry. Team I would Edward. have to say Team Edward just because, you know, it's she's clearly meant to be a vampire. But at the yeah. same time, I wish there was some other vampire who could be there instead of Edward because I don't like him. Sure. Well, I think, I think what you get with Jacob is you get the highest highs and the lowest lows. That's true. Because Jacob yeah. is, I, I think, Jacob is the more attractive really, like, of the two. can't really, contain himself. Yeah, yes. he's definitely the more attractive, for but sure. But he, he is the most problematic of the two, I would say. I would say he's more he's manipulative. He's more impulsive. He's more... I, I don't know if he's more manipulative. I think, I would say Edward grew much faster than Jacob did throughout these movies. That's fair. But and, again, I, Edward is like a hundred. Well, true. And Jacob is like... <laughs> 16, 17. But, but you have to take that into account. You have to take uh, into account age and wisdom because that's what you're going to get. I mean, yeah. You know? So, yeah, I, I, I think Jacob Jacob has a lot going for him uh, body-wise. Even though it is a bit creepy looking back on it, in the second Twilight movie, the one where he really glows up and gets shirtless. Because in the first one, you know, he has a very small role, actually, which I think yeah. I, I didn't he realize. Hair. But, yeah, he, he cuts his hair, gets ripped. He's only, like... When they filmed it, he was 16 years old. Yeah, which is crazy because I remember uh, one of my teachers in middle school who went to the midnight premiere and told us that we were going to have a sub the next day Yeah, (laughs) because she was going to the midnight premiere of New Moon. Yep. And, you know, she was talking about how hot Jacob was. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And I mean, even in the world, he's supposed to be in high school. And, And, you know, granted, a lot of people, like I think Robert Pattinson was definitely older when he filmed it. So like... You know, uh, it's sort of a, a a trope in Hollywood to cast older actors to play high schoolers. But nope, he was around that age. Uh, yeah. Kristen Stewart well, yeah, was Kristen around Stewart that age was as well. Too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but yeah. I, I would have to go Team Edward, I think, too. Yeah, begrudgingly. Be- begrudgingly Team Edward. We should mm-hmm. make a shirt out of that. Really, Team Alice. If she would end up with Alice. True, Team Alice. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah, Jasper was weird. Yeah, I didn't really like... T- no, there weren't any other, like... If we're if we're saying she's definitely straight, like there were no really good options. Yeah, for sure. For men, for sure. Yeah, I don't really want her with Emmett either. <laughs> yeah, Emmett's like weird. Back in my old house with Hunter and Jackie. Shout out Hunter and Jackie if you're listening to this. Uh, I was I was given the title of Emmett just because. Oh. Well, yeah, just because. Hunter was Rosalie and Jackie was Alice, I think. They just wanted to be those characters, so they got to choose and they just chose Emmett for me. Yeah, I mean, no offense to them, but I don't see it. Well, yeah. Sorry, Hunter and Jackie, <laughs> if you are listening. I don't think they do listen, so uh, <laughs> we could talk <laughs> as much crap as we want. Um, but okay, yes. Twilight, The Twilight Saga on HBO, no, on Amazon Prime. Yes. Sorry. Definitely worth watching. Yeah. I'd say, I don't know if they're worth watching alone. (laughs) True. But if you have someone to watch them with, maybe pour yourself a drink and and have a jolly good time. Yeah. Pour yourself a Bloody Mary and get in the spirit. There you go. I've never had a Bloody Mary. Me neither. My dad likes Bloody Marys. Shout out, Dad. Well, at Jackson's dad, pour pour yourself yourself a Bloody Bloody Mary and and watch watch Twilight Twilight films. All right. When we come back, (laughs) we are reading What's in the Box? What's in the Box? By Benjamin Posselt. And yeah. See you soon. See you soon.
light. Green light. Green light. Thank you, Blake. God, yeah. that's so satisfying. It really is. <laughs> I love that so much. Good yeah. to be back. Uh, Blake returning from North Carolina. How was your trip? Not too bad. It was not nearly as hot there as it is here. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> even 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 now that we're out of the closet, it's still hot up here. But you know, yes. we make it. We survive. We thrive. Today. We are reading What's in the Box by Benjamin Pucelt. Uh You're going to hear our interview with him in a bit, but right now, you're going to hear the script. So, uh, I will be playing Tom. I will be playing Sam. And I will be reading the action lines. Ba, ba, ba. And let's get into it. What's in the Box by Benjamin Pucelt. Exterior. Street. Day. Tom, 28, walks down a street. In his hands, he is holding a package. Its tip reaches almost up to his chin. He doesn't seem very certain about where he is going. He is rather lost in his thoughts. We can also read that in his face, one may even find some dried tears hiding below his dark eyes. After some time, he takes a turn and walks to a building. He opens the door and steps inside. Interior living room. Sam, 27, lies on a couch, sleeping. Her jacket and her belongings, a small bag and a little box, looking like a very small moving box, are lying next to her on the floor, as if she had just thrown them there ruthlessly. The box isn't completely closed, so we can take a look on some of her possessions. In the front of the box, we can see a part of a CD. We are only able to read a third of the title, is Tits. And further below that, a Tata. The rest of the room seems quite simple. The color scheme consists of a few colors only. Everything seems dull, and it feels as if there was some kind of fog in the air. Therefore, Sam looks really out of place with her dyed hair and colorful clothes. The door opens. Tom steps in backwards, carrying his package carefully. He slowly walks into the room, puts the box on the small couch table, and he spots Sam lying on the couch. What are you doing here? Sam opens her eyes. She wasn't sleeping. I, I live here. No, you don't. Sam holds up a key. Well, my friend here is saying something else. Where did you get that from? I did never not have it. But somehow that's my right, since I paid for the keys after you lost the old ones. What's in the box? It's none of your business. Give it to me and leave. Tom reaches out with his hand. Sam sits up, interested, but not because of his hand. A small dresser? No, you don't buy furniture, do you? Taylor Swift CDs? No! And even if, it's none of your business. What a shame. Sam lies down again. Tom puts his arm down. You still owe me one. A Taylor Swift CD? The Disney Greatest Hits CD? Sam sits up again. Now that's her business. No, we both agreed that- We both agreed that you get to keep the Lion King and I keep the CD. Nonsense. There are way more songs on the CD. How do you expect me to survive without Under the Sea? Or Let It Go? You get- Can you feel the love tonight, though? Still don't understand why they didn't put that one on the CD. You're right, but Hakuna Matata is on it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought you never really liked that song. His expression freezes. He looks away. She doesn't notice. She is caught up in nostalgia. Oh, yeah, I remember. You were always like, no worries. How am I supposed to live in a world like this without worrying? And then you would go on stroking your beard thoughtfully. Sam notices that Tom's upset. Time to change tactics. Why did you shave it? No reason. She doesn't like your beard? That's a shame. Sam leans back. She has the high ground now. It wasn't no. that- of course not. You just shaved it once and suddenly she wanted to sleep with you. Am I right? Samantha, I stopped growing a beard one and a half years ago. So she didn't like it. Oh, by the way, where is she? Clara is her name, am I right? I haven't seen any of her stuff yet. Tom takes a deep breath, 
freezes for a moment, takes his package, and disappears in a nearby room. After he did, Sam's expression changes from being spiteful to a worried one, with a little fear tossed in. She looks after him for a moment until she breathes out relieved, lies back down, and closes her eyes again. Again, she doesn't seem as if she is intended to sleep. She's more likely trying to get some well-deserved rest. Interior bedroom. Tom sits on his bed and stares at his package, absorbed in thought. The box is positioned on a bedside table near him. Interior living room. Sam is lying on the couch, this time on her belly. Her head is resting at the same side as her belongings. She reaches into the box and takes out the CD. Now we see that it is the Disney Greatest Hits CD. Below the title is a small text. Limited edition, featuring Hakuna Matata. After looking at it, she puts it back in the box and grabs a small photograph instead. It is old and creased, but clearly portrays Tom and Sam. They look cute and in love. Sam smiles weakly as she seems to remember something. She then stands up and goes to the closet. She looks through it. The first thing she takes in her hand is a picture of Tom and his girlfriend Clara kissing on a beach. She looks at that picture for quite some time and then puts it back again. Then finally, she finds what she was looking for. Hidden between some books she finds a small appointment calendar. Interior, living room, night. Tom comes out of the bedroom again and spots Sam, sitting at the kitchen table as she looks through his calendar. Still the same hiding place. Haven't you learned anything from our past? It's not a bad hiding place if it isn't hidden. Aren't you afraid she's going to find this? Sam shakes the little book in front of his eyes. I don't see why. So there are no nameless women to be found in your calendar anymore? Why are you here? To take revenge on me? Because if it helps you, I didn't cheat. That's not why I'm here. Why else? To visit you. I thought I should drop by and talk about the good old times for a bit and see how you're doing. While she was talking, she put the calendar away and went around the table in a very innocent way. What good old times are you talking about, exactly? The last time we both spoke to each other, you said, and I quote, I hate you, you underfed pig. Furthermore, I had to wear shoes for an entire week after you left because there were little pieces of glass everywhere. What times again? I was talking about the times before that. Oh, those times? Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you call them youthful stupidity and gaining experience last time? And in retrospect, you wished all of it hadn't even happened? We see fear in Sam's face. She knows she's losing. Tom, please stop. And now you come here after six years, six years in which we didn't talk a word to each other and pretend that nothing has ever happened? Tell me what you want, Sam. Tell me. Silence. Then Sam turns around and disappears in the bathroom. You can stay here overnight. Tomorrow morning I want you gone. Interior. Bathroom. Night. Sam sits down on the bathroom floor and starts crying. She buries her head in her hands and sobs quietly. She can't handle screaming very well. Too many bad experiences. Way too many. For a moment, a picture appears in front of her eyes. Interior. Room. Day. Everything is blurry. A man stands in front of us, facing us. We can't make out his face. He opens his mouth as if he was yelling, yet we can't hear anything. He raises his hand for a punch. Cut back. Interior bathroom night. Sam's breathing heavily. She's buried her face in her hands and sobs. We leave her alone. Interior bedroom night. Tom is sitting on his bed again. He is wearing comfortable pajamas. We are facing him from the front this time. He is looking at the ground first. But then he looks up. Good night. Tom crawls in his bed and turns off the light. Interior bathroom night. 
Sam seems to be drying the last tears when she spots a picture frame not far from her. She stands up, walks towards it, and takes a look. On the picture are Tom and Clara. She is wearing a beautiful light blue nightgown. Close up to Clara and her gown. Interior, nearby room, night. Sam opens the wardrobe. She looks through different items of clothing until she finds that exact nightgown. On the label, it is written, for Clara. She takes it, holds it in front of her body, and looks into the mirror. Then she smiles and leaves the room, gown in her hand. Interior, bedroom, night. In the meantime, the sun has set. Tom lies peacefully in his bed, sleeping. The package, still unopened, lies in the same place as before. The door opens. Sam comes in, quietly, and closes the door behind her. She is wearing the blue nightgown. She slowly crawls onto the bed and towards Tom's head, until she lays almost completely on top of him. She puts her lips on his. He slowly opens his eyes, looks at her, and... He pushes her away with all of his strength, causing Sam to fall off the bed and against the bedside table, inducing the package to fall down onto the ground. Tom sits up and turns on the light. What the fuck are you doing? Do you think... Do you really think I want to sleep with you? No, I, I, I thought... If I, if I do, you'd let me... What are you wearing? Uh, that, I... Take it off, now. Sam misunderstands. What? But, but I thought you... Tom suddenly glances at his package, laying on the floor. Go away. What? Leave! Sam opens the door, rushes out, and closes it as quiet as possible. Tom hurries to stand up and sit down next to his package. He opens it up, looks inside, and lets out a relieved breath. <sighs> then he reaches inside. With great care, he takes an urn out of the box... He slowly puts it on his bedside table and looks at it for quite some time. On the front, there is a name. Clara. Interior, living room, night. Sam hides behind the couch and stares at the wall. The nightgown is positioned on the backrest. Instead of it, Sam is wearing a shirt, probably owned by Tom, since it looks way too big on her. It reaches to the mid of her thigh. Now, where we can see her legs, we can also see the many wounds she has. The legs are covered in countless bruises and even cuts. From behind the couch, we see Tom as he comes out of the bedroom. Come out. Sam rises carefully, avoiding his gaze. Talk to me, what? Tom sees the injuries on her legs. After Sam notices, she tries to block his view with her hands. Sam? Stop it. Sam, why are you really here? My boyfriend? She almost spits out that word, but struggles to find more. Did... Did he do that to you? Sam nods. Tom closes his eyes. Why didn't you tell me? I... I couldn't. Come here. Tom puts out his arms for a hug. She shakes her head and steps a few steps back. Sam, I'm not gonna hurt you. She hesitates for a moment, then gives in and falls into his arms. They hug each other. Sam sobs into his shoulder quietly. Why didn't you tell me? You could have just called me. I couldn't. I was so afraid, and I had nowhere I could go. Then I thought of you. She hugs him tight and sobs again. Uh, and I thought about all the time we hadn't seen each other, and then I was here, and I thought I could finally be safe, and I tried to make you remember our past, but you were so angry, so still too angry at me. So I thought you'd maybe let me stay if, if I slept with you. Tom seems to search for the right words for a long time. I mean, if you'd called, I'd prepare the guest room for you. <laughs> Sam laughs in between her sobs. May I stay here for a bit? Yes. 
Yes, of course. They hug tighter. Interior, living room, night. They sit next to each other behind the couch, leaning on it. Do you need money? Sam shakes her head. I just need a safe place where I can sleep without- She stops, shakes her head softly, then continues. Where I can sleep, and then I can think about what to do. It's okay. You can stay here. I, I promise you I'll be gone soon. Before Clara comes here again, I'll, I'll be gone. I don't want her to think that- Say as long as you need. But what about her? I don't want you to get yourself into problems just because- She won't come, Sam. Why? Did you... Did you guys break up? Long pause. Tom takes a deep breath. She's... She's dead. She's dead, Sam. I'm so sorry. I didn't know. How could you? A tear leaves Tom's eye. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Everything I said, I... I didn't mean that. It's alright. It's alright. Why... Why didn't you tell me? I couldn't. It's still so fresh. Tom starts sobbing. Sam hugs him tightly. Interior, living room, night. They are sitting at the edge of the bed and are looking at the urn. The box. Tom nods. I'm so sorry. It's alright. Would have preferred to bring some CDs home, to be honest. Sam smiles slightly. You don't even like Taylor Swift. Tom laughs, at least a little bit. While looking at the urn, Sam discovers a lettering below her name. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata? Her favorite song. She always wanted me to live that way. Never made it. She said, try it. Forget everything for a moment and just live. Live here with me. Tears start emerging from his eyes. I'd say it was a little bit of a yin and yang situation. And now she's still remembering you. Yeah. Yeah, she does. I think I gotta try it sometimes. Just letting go. When did she die? Oh, please, can we not do that right now? But if not now, when? I don't care. Just not now. You have to talk about it sometime. And if you don't want to talk to me, I understand, but just somebody, okay? Okay. You promise? Yes. Did you love her? More than anything. Let's talk tomorrow, okay? We should both get some rest. You're right. Sam stands up and goes to the door. While passing, she shortly nods at the urn in a reverent way. The door is already open when Tom raises his voice again. Sam? Hmm? You can have the guest room. Sam smiles. Good night. She leaves the room. Tom remains alone on the bed. Good night. He says this more to the urn than to Sam. Interior, bedroom, day. The rays of the morning sun awaken Tom. He opens his eyes. Interior, living room, day. Tom is standing in the living room with a dressing gown and sips his coffee. Then he goes to the guest room and knocks. Sam? No answer. Tom opens the door carefully and takes a look inside. He sees the bed. Sam is still sleeping peacefully. He decides to let her and closes the door again. As he turns around, he sees something in the middle of the table. He puts his coffee down and goes to the table. The Disney's Greatest Hits CD lies in the middle of it, next to a small note. Tom takes it and unfolds it. Why didn't you tell me? He smiles.
Hey everybody, welcome back to the Green Light. The Green Light Podcast. Yeah. We are the here. Podcast. <laughs> we are here with our writer of the week of What's in the Box, Benjamin Poselt. And how are you doing? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. That's great. Doing? <laughs> we're doing great. Uh, just context for everyone listening. So right now we're recording this interview at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard <laughs> Time. Benjamin is all the way... You're in Germany, correct? Right, Benjamin? Uh, in Austria. 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 Excuse wow. me. Difference. In Austria, difference. 7 p.m. <laughs> his time. So two totally different times, but we're connected yeah. together. We love the joys of technology here yeah. on the green yeah. light. <laughs> Thanks to the internet. Yay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've already had All your whole Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're just, we're, our Sunday is just beginning. The possibilities endless. <laughs> Anywho, I think, <laughs> I think on that note, let's just jump straight into it. Yeah. Okay. So we always like to ask everyone, what is your writer origin story? How did you get started? I think the first thing I ever wrote I wouldn't call it a, a screenplay because it was it wasn't not good at all, and I think it didn't, didn't follow any structure or anything. It was just <laughs> story written in dialogue. I think I wrote it when I was like twelve, thirteen, maybe. Um, but since then, I've read a lot of books and tried to improve my my writing. But I still mostly do is do it as a hobby and just for fun when I can think of uh, interesting stories I want to tell. So yeah, yeah, I don't have a fancy origin story. You know what, that's okay. But because of that, I am going to ask you, What do you remember what that story was about that you wrote when you were 12? I still have it, actually. Oh, do you really? (laughs) Yes. I haven't read it in quite some time, but the story was... I I actually wanted to make the movie with some friends of mine, but we never got around to do it. Maybe because I was a little more motivated than the other ones. Mm, sure. But basically, <laughs> it was a story about a parallel world with diamonds, and or, or diamond. A uh, diamond was like the, the most value, valuable object to exist in that world. So they sent someone in our world to steal diamonds. Yeah, it was. It was something. <laughs> it sounds like, like something. Like a heist. Cool. Yeah, exa- I, I love a good heist story. Heist stories, we need more of those. <laughs> oh, I, I am not sure if it was a heist story. Okay. okay. <laughs> I think well, the protagonist is actually from our world trying to defend herself. I oh, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, you know what? It actually, we're going to scrap what's in the box. We're going to put the rest of this interview on hold, and we're going to do that script for our, <laughs> okay. for our reading. Uh, no, just kidding. No, I still, even though you say, you know, you said you, you didn't love it, it's not super interesting, I think it's always fun to just see even those tiny moments. You know, you were 12 writing, like, a this story, this screenplay. I think that's super, super cool and fun. So. Yes, and I remember how proud I was when I finished it, and I just went to my mom and said, Mom, I just finished a screenplay and she was like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> she was She's like, like, yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, that's um, great. Uh, so let's jump into questions about the script. And we're going to start right from the beginning with the title. So on a scale of one to okay. John Doe, how much are you trying to reference the movie Seven with your title? First off, I, I guess, are you familiar with the movie Seven? I am familiar with it. Okay. And I'm trying to see it. I've been trying to see it for a long time now, but... Every time I want to watch it at home, my mom says no because she's seen it one and she has seen it uh, once and she didn't like it. Oh, really? Are you familiar with the very famous scene uh, where Brad yeah, Pitt screams yeah. once at the bottom? Okay, okay, cool. Just wanted to make sure. Actually, I did not at all think of it since, 
Yeah, the title was originally on German, so I right. didn't think of it. Sure, actually. sure. Well, cool. But just I thought of it when I translated it just like a few months ago. Months ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Translation. Yes. So if anyone hasn't seen Seven who's listening, go out, watch it right now, or at least watch the clip. Literally, you can just type in what's oh, in the oh, box you on YouTube. Now, or? No, 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 no. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. That, that was a homework for the p- p- people potentially listening. <laughs> but no, you can just type it out on YouTube. It's great. Uh, so yeah, well, that answers that question. Thank you. Yeah. So I wanted to ask a question about a character. I thought it was really interesting Mm -hmm. that in first describing Sam, you described her as really out of place with her hair dyed or with her dyed hair and colorful clothes. Yet we come to find out that she deals with a lot of hidden trauma, uh, darker issues behind the surface, beneath the surface. What am I saying? Um, (laughs) It's warning. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, could you talk about the thought process behind making her appear outwardly bright and colorful, even though she deals with much darker issues? I think what inspired me to write Sam's character was actually uh, a very good friend of mine who was struggling with a lot of personal problems and depression, but always appeared pretty bright to the outside and always dyed her, dyed her hair and had fun everywhere or at least so it seemed so I think I was trying to capture this picture of a person that seems so that seems to be living their lives freely and as if they've got nothing to lose because behind that curtain they are so incredibly vulnerable and I think I wanted to capture that when I wrote her yeah Yeah, i think that's a really interesting contrast and i think i think that adds just another layer to like this story and that character specifically and that actually that actually what you were saying kind of leads into our next question uh there are really a lot of great like specific details in this script that i like you know you have the disney greatest hit cd taylor swift albums the the very specific line i hate you you underfed pig uh stuff like that so when you were writing and you you even mentioned in this last question do you find that you draw a lot of specific details maybe not from your own life but maybe some from your own life or just people that you know or do you often use like sort of imagination to come up with with things and specific details like that well i think um most of my stuff comes from imagination well i mean i love the lion king and (laughs) who doesn't sure (laughs) disney disney songs in general yeah pretty amazing i think we can all agree on that um but actually fun story when i wrote that's I had never been in a relationship before hmm. so there was just my view on uh, interpersonal struggle in a re- relationship back then hmm. and <laughs> I find it pretty funny how some as a, uh, since then I've, I had a, I had a relationship or I am in a relationship right now and there are some parallels actually in the <laughs> in the way they were um handling each other that I, I see now or I saw before cool. yeah. yeah so so you were right I guess so <laughs> your, your initial <laughs> hunch you, yeah, yeah yeah unfortunately yeah. Um, there, I would just want to highlight one moment that I really liked um, there's the moment when they're they're sort of in the middle of the argument and Sam uh, talks about how Tom used to say no worries how am I supposed to live in a world like this without worrying and then you would go he would go on stroking his beard thoughtfully that one hit home for me so thank you for including that <laughs> he is a, a bearded you guy you mean a beard or yeah <laughs> yes he 
even even the beard, yes. Uh, so that that one hit home for me. So thank you. I felt heard in that moment <laughs> reading that. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, so there is a specific kind of meta moment which I found interesting. Uh, there's a moment when Tom and Sam are arguing and in the, in the stage directions it says, Sam notices that Tom's upset. Time to change tactics. So there are a good number of screenplays that address the audience directly, but few that employ elements of almost first person like this or, you know, a- almost like stage direction specifically for the actor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So do you find yourself using this in a lot of your scripts or was it specific to this one? Um, I found myself using it more often as, uh, like, the more scripts I wrote, the more often I used it. Because I think for the reader, it, it captures the best um, what the situ- situation is like. And also for an actor, an actor can think, okay, Sam is Sam notices that she, that she doesn't get, th- get through to Tom, so she needs some something else in order to... Well, hit him. <laughs> that makes a I lot of sense. It makes the script more interesting to read if you are kind of in the character and not only a fly on the wall and watching everything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I love I love when scripts either do do like what you did or address the the reader directly. I think it's such a way to keep them engaged, and I think it's something that I, I thought it was interesting that you said when you started writing more, you started doing it more because I almost feels like. For me, and this could be incorrect, but it feels like almost a comfortability that the writer has, and then it almost puts me at ease reading it. It's a weird thing, but it's like I I, I really enjoy enjoy moments like that in scripts. So I, I appreciated this one as well. I think I've read moments like this in in scripts from uh, Aaron Sorkin. Oh sure, if sure. you know him, yeah, yeah, he he uses this quite often, and it's I think it it just makes the reading more alive. Yeah, absolutely. Makes Be- the film come come alive in your head. Yeah, because th- there are some, especially screenwriters, who I feel like can get so stuck in like, we're just describing specific details, nothing yes. more. And then it, it gets boring, especially as a reader. And, yeah. and you know, uh, most people with films aren't going to be reading the script, but for yeah. people who are going to be eventually making and producing them, it's very important to make it interesting. So, so I think that's, <laughs> that's a, a very good and thing al- to do. And also since... Uh, I'm also um, I'm also an actor, so I'm also thinking like, okay, how would I like to read the script in order to to portray it the best? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think for an actor, it's it's pretty helpful to read something like like that and don't have to figure out on your own why this moment changes the whole scene suddenly. Yeah, right. as actors, we appreciate it. We do, Thank you. We do. <laughs> <laughs> so the biggest reveal in this script, and no spoilers because everyone should have listened to it already, <laughs> but <laughs> is where the audience finds out that that Clara is dead, and the thing that's in the box is her urn. And for me, that moment yes. really like contextualized a lot of other moments in the script. And pr- those moments before they made sense, of course, but they took on an entirely new meaning in this light, which I thought was a really good and an effective way to do it. So how do you balance like filling a story with foreshadowing and intrigue like this without making those moments completely nonsensical until the twist is revealed? Actually, um, I think the best way to achieve something like this is, and you, you, you hear this all the time when you listen to screenwriters, rewrites. Mm, yeah. <laughs> because often 
That's interesting about my write, writing process. I often just write and have a vague idea of what's happening later. But in the moment, um, I'm really focusing on this scene specifically. And those few scenes where he, where he could say, yes, yeah, Sam, my girlfriend is dead. I think those are the scenes that are, that I came back to the most. Because it, it wasn't easy. It was really not easy to, to capture that feeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's, you... It's a, it's, a difficult, it's a difficult question, actually. Yeah, Yeah, sure. no, definitely. No, yeah, I guess you kind of have to, you know, go back and fill that in and, like, I guess, put the details in mm -hmm. uh, later. Yeah. But. Uh, I, I actually have a, an additional just screenwriting question in general for you because I always find it interesting to hear. Are you a kind of person who likes to, like, outline, outline, outline before you write a first draft? Or do you sort of just like to get it out on the page and then go back from there, see where you can fill in the holes, and, and, and go from there? Definitely the second one. Mm. I, I, I have a kindred spirit <laughs> then, because in my, in my few moments of writing, that's exactly how I like to do it. <laughs> Every time I try to outline a script before I write it, it, it just vanishes into the void because I just <laughs> don't get the motivation to, to write every scene or, or like the outline of every scene because I have to write this very scene to know where, where it is going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's weird. So most screenwriting books tell you not to do exactly that, but I don't care. Oh, well. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel like it's we've the had a lot of... The good ones break the rules. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> like we have a lot of people who, you know, work that way. Um, mm -hmm. I I don't know. I feel like Sometimes if you plan things too much, it doesn't feel like immediate and as if the characters are speaking words that weren't already written. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, so I thought that was successful. Um, okay. So last script related question in regards to Tom and Sam, what happens now? Where do they both go from here individually and maybe even together? This is a really interesting question because um, when I first finished the script, the ending was a little different. Hmm. Um, Alternate ending. The ending was the yeah it was. So Tom was waking up in the morning, and he went to the room where where Sam was sleeping, and he would just find an empty bed and the note was like would, would uh, so the note why didn't you tell me would have been lying on the bed with Sam gone. Hmm. Because I wasn't sure if Sam would wanted would have wanted Tom to let her stay for longer than one night because she I didn't want it to bother him. Then I thought about what Sam would do afterwards, and since I didn't come to a good conclusion, then I decided to let her stay uh, at Tom's place. But I always remembered the rest of the of their story to be like. Um, She stays with him when she needs to. He'll always have an open door and an empty bed for her. But she will try to manage her life on her own. They're not coming back together. That was really important to me that they're not coming back together. Because I hate stories where you can predict, predict in the first second that those two are coming back together. <laughs> sure it's just always the same yeah yeah for sure for sure no i i, I like the ending a lot 
I thought yeah, it, I thought it was really cool, and you know, you sort of you answer it for us here, obviously, but as as a reader, it's sort of left up to the imagination as to, as to what's going to happen with them. But you know, it, you know, it could be something. It it, it maybe might not be, but I, I like the 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 intrigue of the wonder. I think makes it makes it a successful ending for me. So now we're on to some questions about you. So. Um, oh God. The, yeah. Well, the, the, they're not actually our first one isn't really even about you specifically. It's about sort of your process. What is the most rewarding part of the writing process for you? Writing the last word. I I I normally write uh, I didn't do it in that script, but I often tend to write the end at the ending just so that my brain knows, okay, you just written your whole story. I mean, it's obviously time to go back then, but it's it's the moment when you feel like, okay, I've actually done it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it's it's like that for most writers, I guess. So I'm not really interesting. <laughs> no, no I, I mean that was that was that was very intriguing on our end to just hear the end, and it was like ooh, was like, chills. Ooh. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> but no, I think I think that's really cool. That feeling of accomplishment is is something that is that is super cool, especially to know that you've. You've created something. You've created the story. I think that's a really, a really good yeah. point. Good moment in the process for sure. Yeah. So uh, you kind of mentioned this earlier, but for everyone listening, just so they all know, this script was originally written in German, and you graciously translated it to English so that we could read it on the show. So in general, do you find that you are able to still communicate everything you want to, even in the translated version? Or do you find that things change slightly between the translation simply because of the change in language? Uh, generally, I I like the German version way more. <laughs> Obviously, because you never get the same feelings when you translate something. Right. I think. And... Um, so yeah, there are some parts of the script, like the part where um, Tom wants to take her key and she sits up and she's interested, but not because of his hand. I think that part doesn't work in English as well as it did in German. Hmm. Hmm. But it's the best I could do. Sure. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I thought it still flowed pretty well, you know, as someone who, who speaks English. Um like who who has English as a first language? I thought yeah. it made sense. Um, truthfully, you know, I I wouldn't have known. I mean, that it was written Maybe. by uh, someone who was not a native native English speaker. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I agree. That, that's a compliment. Yeah, yeah. It, it it flowed very well and and read very well uh, in English as well. So, alrighty. So now we have some more questions that. Uh, they're sort of rapid-fire questions we do at the end that are sort of just fun. So Lauren's going to hit you with the first one. Yeah. So okay, what okay. what is your favorite fried fast food? Fried fast food? God. Uh, uh, is, is burger fried? Sure. Yeah, I mean, fried. we could, yeah. we could say a burger or like, you know, fries, fried onion rings. Uh, in, in this country, we have fried Twinkies, fried Oreos. We'll see. You can fry anything. It's actually, oh, wow. okay. yeah. <laughs> We don't fry as much here, I guess. Yeah, I, I imagine probably not. We're the fry capital of the world, I believe. <laughs> I mean, you have Friday. <laughs> yeah, there you That's go. True. <laughs> okay, that was my bad joke for of the day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping it in. Don't you worry. That's staying. Oh no! <laughs> Please not. <laughs> 
Um, well, it's it's interesting that Lauren asked the question that way because I was more at wondering like what is I I don't know how many fast food restaurants uh, you have in Germany that are similar in the United States. I was asking what is your favorite fry of like the fast food places. Oh. So like there's oh, a big there's a oh, hot debate oh, 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 over like okay. McDonald's fries or like Wendy's fries or like whatever. I thought so, you, I thought it was a typo. <laughs> no, no. So oh, so okay. if you have a favorite one of those, which one is it? So we don't have Wendy's here. I think okay. the only fast food restaurants you have over there that we also have here are McDonald's and Burger King. Okay. Okay. So between the two giants of McDonald's and Burger King, which is your favorite? With fries? Yeah. Oh, God. I haven't been at Burger King for a long time, but I remember the fries to be good because my sister told me about them and said they have the best fries. Hmm. I guess I'm going to go with my sister, so uh, Burger King. Okay. okay. Standing by your sister. Cool. I respect it. Yeah. I. It's weird. I also haven't been to a Burger King in a while. Well, truly, um, it it's weird because, like, I've maybe been to Burger King twice in my whole life. And one of those times was not in the U.S. Like, one of those times, um, I was in, like, Italy. And, <laughs> you know, we were, I was at the beach with a couple of friends, and there was a Burger King. So we were like, oh, let's go to Burger King, I guess. There you go. How were the fries? I don't remember. I had Sad. I had a, an angry Whopper. It was, like, a spicy Whopper, and it was Ooh, actually really good. That does sound pretty good, actually. Yeah. Actually, the last time I was at Burger King, I was at, I think it was Switzerland Airport. And it was expensive. Yeah. yeah. Because Switzerland and airport. The the combination <laughs> of the two. <laughs> yeah, still don't, don't remember how the fries tasted, but I, I think they tasted good. Well, there we go. Okay. We'll lock in Burger King. That's right. perfect. Uh, what is your favorite way to eat eggs? What is your favorite way to cook eggs? Mm, I think scrambled eggs. Mm. Yeah. Scrambled classic. is a classic. Yeah. I feel yeah, like yeah. a lot of times I'll try to cook eggs some other way and then mess it up and end up just scrambling them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, it's just, you're also safe. You're, you're always safe I mean, with scrambled eggs. Right. Yeah, you, for sure. You can't do it right. Yeah, it, it's very hard to mess up scrambled eggs. Yeah. Very hard. <laughs> okay, in your mind, what is the perfect temperature? Now I have to uh, think about how Fahrenheit works. Um, oh, oh, no, you, you can just do Celsius. You give no us problem. Celsius and Celsius, we'll convert okay. it for our own audience. Oh, you can convert it. Okay, nice. Um, in my opinion, it's like 22 degrees Celsius. Okay. Oh, that's that's like the perfect temperature. I would probably agree. That's 71 degrees. Um, yeah. 71. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's a nice number. Yeah, yeah. They, see, there you go. Because right Celsius. now it's so hot. Oh, how, how hot summer. is it over know. there? I think we had 32 degrees today. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm still sweating. Sure. (laughs) We, it has been hot here, too. We we have had a few days in the past couple of weeks that have been over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which I guess is roughly like mm, 37, 38 degrees Celsius. Um, Yeah. I guess I'd die if it was over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It has been. It has been it's an been interesting ordeal. Yeah. yeah. Well, and especially you know, um, COVID is still a, a pretty big thing over here. So I, I work oh, at a yeah. restaurant and we're serving people outside, and you know I have a face shield and a mask, and it's just so hot. <laughs> yeah, she's oh, just like totally I'm covered so sorry up. Sorry for you. No, it's yeah. okay though. You know, we're we're dealing with. We're it. making it through for sure. Oh. I hit the table. That's okay. <laughs> Wait, a face shield 
both face shield and a mask? Yes. Yeah. Both. Oh god. And then and she has to deal with people who wear neither. So <laughs> Yeah. Well well yeah, because people mm. will sit down at their table and be like, All right, taking the mask off. And yeah. I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. Um Okay. So very last question for you. Um, last but not least, are you a night owl or an early bird? Mm, that's I hate this question. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Since I work the best when it's like really late, like 11 p.m. or after midnight, mm. especially when I'm writing. Mm. But I hate sleeping in. Mm. So mm. when I when I work <laughs> when I work for a long time, it's like 1 a.m. in the morning and I'm going to bed. I still want to wake up at like 8 a.m. So I get like seven hours of sleep or mm. less if, if, uh, if sure. I'm super creative in the night <laughs> so you're so really just neither yeah you're just anti-sleep is really what you are <laughs> no i'm and, just always tired <laughs> just, that, that, there, yeah, there you go me I, too. <laughs> I i do yeah i do understand that life a bit i would say i i don't know i almost am tempted to say neither as well because i used to be able to sleep in so well but lately i am just so bad at it i'm just so bad at sleeping in so like i enjoy staying you're, up you're late because you because you wake up early or you hate it? I don't know. I, I Well, my body just wakes me up. Like, I, oh. when I when I try to sleep longer, sometimes I just can't. Or, like, my like if my mind starts going, then it's like, all right, you're done. Just might as well get up. So I'm also kind of neither, <laughs> which is sad. Yeah. I'm definitely a night owl. Yes, you I, definitely are a night owl. <laughs> I, I, I never want to do anything until it's, like, 11 o'clock at night, kind of like you said. But I have no problem sleeping in. Yeah. So. <laughs> Lauren, is, Lauren is adept at sleeping in. Um, alrighty. So those are all of our questions for you, Benjamin. Thank you again for coming on. This has been a great interview. Yeah. Thank you. It's been an honor to be here and to be invited by you. Yeah, no, for well, sure. Well, thanks for coming. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything you would like to plug? Yeah, anything like coming up in your life that you would like to tell us about? Oh, gosh, I wish I knew what was coming up in my life. <laughs> Very fair point, <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm, I don't have any directions to look into right now. So if you have a job for me, uh, call me now. <laughs> Just... All right. Anyone All right. who's listening, if you have a job for Benjamin... <laughs> hit him up and you can do that because we're going to put his description in the email or <laughs> boy put his email in the description okay. wow look at my look, description look, look at look at me um, being bad at my job old? Um. yeah exactly so we're going to put his email in the description so if you ha- contact want to contact him with a job opportunity or just to hear more of his work <laughs> or to uh, look into producing this one that'll be in the description Okay. Ooh. Gosh, it's it's this interview was it's my breakthrough now. I think so too. I think it's, it's too early for you. It's bound to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's it's not that early, you know. It's we really not. A... It's just it's just us. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we we did. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with our Patreon, but we do these episodes called Greenlit episodes, where we'll watch like a, a movie from mm-hmm. our childhood and then uh, pair it with like an, an alcoholic drink. So we did that pretty late last night. So that could be our excuse. <laughs> I mean, we're oh, fine though. No, you know? we're we're totally fine. But I'm gonna use what that as an excuse. We watched Emperor's New Groove. Oh, I think I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah, it's a Disney movie from 2000. It's very good. It's very good. So, if you're listening to this and you want our, um, see, I can't even think of normal words commentary? now. Yes, on commentary on Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> Uh, subscribe to our Patreon for good stuff. But this episode is not about that. This is about Benjamin. So thank you very much again for coming on, Benjamin. We really appreciate it. 
Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Bye. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Bye. so much for listening to this episode of The Green Light. The Green Light! Thank you to our guests who came on. Thank you to our wonderful friends who came on and helped us record the wonderful script. Yeah. Now, if you have not done it yet, it would be really helpful if you would go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. If you roast me, or if you roast Lauren, or if you leave a detour, we'll probably read it on air. That's right. Mm -hmm. Another way you can help us is by subscribing to our Patreon. We have lots of exclusive content on there, and you can give as little as a dollar a month, and you'll still get a lot of it. Yeah. A lot of our bonus detours, a lot of our ramble episodes, and $5 for the Greenland episodes, which are my favorite. So, that link is in the description. Yes, also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, TGL underscore pod. Facebook is... At GreenLightPod. Yes, and if you want to follow us personally, I'm at at J underscore Woodward underscore C on Instagram and Twitter. I am at Hunkleberry, H-U-N-K-E-L-E-B-E-R-R-Y on Instagram and Twitter. And I think that's it. That's it. Thanks. Thank y'all so much for listening. We love you. Love you. Love you.